Hello, I am Pastor Nicholas Wright of Covenant Love Christian Center. I invite you to join me now in the Word with Pastor Nick. Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to uh, John chapter 11. And we also, uh, well, let's just turn there for right now, John 11. Of course, our subject is 2021, the year of eternal life. And we're looking into this life of God or this life of God that we have on the inside of us. And determining to pick it apart, understand it, let God show us what's going on on our inside in the name of Jesus. So John 11, verses 25 through 26, this is something that, Jesus said out of his own mouth. Lazarus had died. People were upset, crying, boo-hooing. And um, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, instead of running right to the situation, he just kind of chilled for a few days, several days. And then went. And then when uh, Martha, when he, she knew that he was there, came running. And she said, you know what? Well, Jesus said, your brother's going to rise again. And Martha said, yeah, I know it, that he'll rise in the resurrection at the last day. And then here's one of the things that Jesus always talked about himself and his mission in life, who he was and what his mission was. And something that we need to learn to do. We need to find out why we're here. We need to talk about it. We need to speak it out. This is one of the things you find out that Jesus did. He wasn't just saying things to saying things, for, to be saying things. He was speaking out into the air what the Father called him to do and why he came. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. <laughs> he that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Then he asked her, do you believe this? So he said, I am the resurrection and the life, all right? And this word life, this Greek word zoe, is this word, it means a lot to us. And so I'm going to read that definition of that word. And life, everlasting life, eternal life, zoe is life as a principle, or life in the absolute sense. Life as God has it, that which the Father has in himself and which he gave to the incarnate Son, to have in himself and which the son manifested in the world. From this life, man has become alienated through the fall. And of this life, men become partakers of through faith in Jesus Christ. And of course, we we know that most of men, for the most part, and even in the church, we've been conscious of life is just kind of walking around every day and doing stuff. We, if we're breathing, we think, well, we have life. Well, God's gone, gone a little bit deeper than that. When he talks about the fact that we have life, he means that we have on the inside of us who he is. Now, we're going to look at a number of things this morning. Not too many, but a few things that are um, going to be important. And as I live, the longer I live, the longer I'm in the ministry and the longer I teach and preach the word and, and endeavor to live it, I am becoming more and more and more convinced every single day that identification is the most important thing, the absolute most important thing. 
And it's like everything that goes on is based on that. We go back to the Garden of Eden and we find out that the reason that Adam and Eve fell is because they didn't really have the fullness of an understanding of who God said they were. The serpent came along and said, you know, has God really said blah, 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 blah. And if they uh, really, really had a grip on who they were in the image and the likeness of God, they never would have committed the treason that they did. So identification is the most important thing in the universe. It's the most important thing in the universe because what God has made man as the center of his creation and everything that he has, he gave to man. Everything, his life, his image, all of his stuff, he gave it all to man. It's the most important thing in Christianity because as God's representatives in the earth, we have to understand who he says we are, that we don't bow the knee to wickedness and to evil. We don't allow the things of the world to overrun us. We don't allow wickedness to overrun us. Christianity, this is all, Christianity is all about this. In America, it's the most important thing. We have people right now trying to tell us as God's people and as Americans that we're not Americans, we're somebody else. And uh, of course, a lot of us don't understand who we are because we don't know the documents that our nation is based upon. And you, you, we only find out who we are when we put our eyes to things, we read them and take them to heart. If you're an American, you're not made to be a slave. Hallelujah. You're not made to be a slave. Deep state is not your God. Government is not your God. God didn't design it that way. And in the world, it's the most important thing because we have a world full of people that have no clue of what mankind really was made to be and is supposed to be. So this is important. There's always somebody trying to tell you who you are. Always somebody else trying to define your identity. Happened that way in the garden. It's going on that way. It'll probably go on all up until the Lord gets done with this whole thing here. Now, there's something that we need to deal with. We need to stay on top of. And we need to be helping the world right now with, and that is the fear of death. The fear of death has to be dealt with. This is what all, everything that's going on right now is based on men and women being afraid of death. Bottom line, all right? Why do people wear masks? Afraid of death. Or they're afraid of another man or woman or somebody coming and jumping on them because they don't have one on. Or they're afraid that they're going to look different because they go into a place and they don't have one on, but everybody else around them has one on. And so they think, oh, man, they might bite me. Somebody might jump on me or might talk bad about me. Maybe they may call a popo on me or something. So fear, fear is what's driving many people right now. And as believers, God has not called us to fear. Matter of fact, the Bible says he's not given us the spirit of fear, but what? Power, love, and a sound mind. So if he has not given us the spirit of fear, then why do we want to entertain the spirit of fear? Right now, men are claiming to walk in wisdom when they're walking in fear. Oh, but I'm just being wise. No, you're being fearful if you're a believer. Didn't get a big rise out of that. But those are the facts of the message. Well, I'm just, I'm being smart. I'm being wise. No, you're being fearful. I was thinking about something. Well, Lord help. There was a, 
I've started to spend some time on Facebook, not roaming around and trying to argue with people and all kind of stuff, but to share things that I think will be encouraging to folks. And I wrote a post this past week, and I asked the question. I said, if John G. Lake were on the earth today, if F.F. Bosworth were on the earth today, A.A. Mm. A. Allen was on the earth today, V.W. Kenyon were on the earth today. If um, A.J. Gordon was on the earth today. If David O'Nunn was on the earth today. If they were on the earth today, would they be wearing masks and social distancing? What do you think? Y'all know who some of those guys are, don't you? All right. Powerful men of God. <laughs> John G. Lake stuck his hand in stuff that probably many people wouldn't even dream of coming near. Plagues. See, there was a time, at least on our land, Christian people didn't run from plagues. I should say many of them. There were men and women of God that stood up to these things. And they weren't afraid of those things, nor afraid of the faces of men. And as a whole on our land, the church has got to get back to that. As a whole. Now, I know that this this. In some ways, it startles some believers. It challenges their thinking. They think somebody like me talking like this is being insensitive. But we become so soft as a whole. And somehow or another, we've got to get some more intestinal fortitude inside of us. That life is already inside of us. And I'm telling you, all of this stuff runs back to fear. People are, number one, either they're afraid of dying, they're afraid of offending somebody, they're afraid of a sickness or disease, or they're afraid that somebody's going to come get them. All of that is involved in the fear of death. What's going to happen to me? Let's not be too quiet. What's going to happen to me? All right, so now this life that we're talking about is what is supposed to make the difference. Because if I'm conscious of this God life inside of me, the more conscious I am of that, the more fear goes away. Jesus himself, I mean, he laid his hands on leprous people. Come on now. And then he told us the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do. Why? Because I go to my Father. And he went to the Father, and when he went to the Father, he gave us the Holy Spirit, whom we're talking about now, who is the agent of this life that we're talking about. So if I've got this life and this glory in me as a believer, why am I afraid of something that is supposed to, if it's real, it's supposed to die in my presence. It doesn't matter whether it's manufactured or what. It doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. It's immaterial in this heavenly courtroom. It's irrelevant and immaterial as to what it is, if it is, where it came from. What matters is who we have inside of us. And what matters is are we willing to stand up and face these things? based on who's living on the inside of us. 
So now the fear of death has to be dealt with. Now, I want to take a few, a little bit of time before we go to where we're really going today to look at a few scriptures because these are important things. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, actually it should be. Now remember, these, these are the scriptures speaking. There are a lot of folks in the church that have to come to this point or return to the point of letting the Bible have the primary voice in their lives. There are so many excuses and all kinds of stuff going on and people are just disregarding the scripture. And a lot of it is because of fear. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, speaking about Jesus, likewise took part of the same. Why? That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and then do what? Deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So when we are afraid of death, it brings bondage. If you're afraid, of, if death, that fear is working inside of you, then you're not going to step out into the liberties and the freedoms and, 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 and feet, meet, meet the challenges that are there to that life because you're afraid of dying or something, some byproduct of death. But Jesus came to deliver those who, through fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to the devil, to bondage, to slavery. See, it's fear that keeps us from stepping out. I'm afraid. I remember one time I was afraid to play the piano in public. <laughs> but you know what you have to do? You got to meet those fears. And you got to step out. You got to work. You got to do whatever it takes to get over that. Hello? Here's the fear of public speaking. So I said, what? Yeah, I used to fear that dreadfully, but not no more. And I don't care whose presence you put me in. If the president of the United States was sitting right there and a bunch of mighty preachers that I know, you know what? I'm going to open up my mouth and I'm going to do just what I'm doing right now. Whatever God gives me is coming out. Wasn't like that one time in my life. But because of this word, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and then just continuing to go out and do that and do it and do it and do it and do it and fight up and push back against that timidity, stuff is gone. I don't care who is in my presence. What God gives me to say is coming out. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Now, Romans 8, 15 and 16. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? The children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So we've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. That means, see, like according to Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, we were delivered from that. 
And so now he's telling these guys here, now look, we didn't receive the spirit of bondage to become afraid or fearful again, but we received the spirit of adoption whereby instead of crying out, oh my God, what's going to happen? We cry, Abba, Father. My father and my daddy. And if he my father and my daddy, he's not going to leave me by myself. He's not going to forsake me. So what do I need to be afraid of? Come on now. Proverbs 29, 25. I remember it was decades ago when I read this scripture. Man, it jumped all up on the inside of me because in many ways I was still dealing with the fear of men's faces and what people might think of me and, you know, whether or not I would choke over my words or whatever. And when this scripture got up inside of me, I thought, whoa, look at the challenge here. Proverbs 29, 25, it says, the fear of man brings a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. <laughs> so <laughs> the fear of man brings a snare. Someone said, well, if the Pope walked inside the door while you're preaching, you ain't got a mask on. I'm going to pre pre keep preaching. Yes, what I said, I'm going to keep preaching. I'm going to keep preaching. Why? Because they didn't call me. God called me to do this. And so I'm going to answer to the one who called me, not to some man's face. Now, folks, I know that this is challenging to some, but folks, this has got to get all up in our jersey. Because every one of us, in some way or another, whatever it is, you're going to face something that's going to challenge you and challenge this life that's on the inside of you. One of the best things that you can do is get yourself a good confession going and meditate on that word and declare what God has said about it. He's not giving me the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. He's not giving me the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I have the life of God in me. This life in me overcomes death, fear, the devil, all that. I have life in me. I have life in me. Every day I'm declaring, I've got the life of God in me. I have the life of God in me. His life is in me. His life is manifested in my mind mortal body. It's his life that surrounds me and keeps me. I have life in me. See, So we got to take these words off the pages of the book and roll them around in our mind, revolve them and speak them out, utter them out into the air and do it every day. Be, let it be a constant thing in your life. And what happens is this starts to swell up on the inside of you, like putting a sponge in water and that sponge just because it's absorbing the water. And it gets to be so full that it can't hold no more. You got to squeeze it and wring it out. And guess what happens when we get so full of this? We start overflowing on other people. That's the way it's supposed to be. Hallelujah. We work in a day, aren't we? Oh, I got a couple of amens. <laughs> The fear of man brings us in. Psalm 118, verses 6 through 9. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. Then he said, ask the question, what can man do unto me? <laughs> oh, Lord. I love it. See, so we're, we can respect men and women, but we're not to be afraid or fearful of the faces of men and women. The 
The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. I choose not to fear. What can man do to me? The Lord takes my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. Now listen to this. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. I think I'm going to read a little bit further. All nations compass me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They compass me about, yes, they compass me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees, but they are quenched as the fire of thorns, for in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. Every foul spirit, that comes to us, whether through man, beast, or whatever. They're subject to this life in us until the name of Jesus is on the inside of us. We don't need to be afraid of anything. A thousand shall fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, and someone said, but it'll not come near me. Only with my eyes shall I behold and see the reward of the wicked. That's the Bible. That's the word. When are these scriptures going to start meaning things to many believers? This is real. If it's not real, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's got to become real to everybody. So you got to keep chewing. <clears throat> keep ruminating. Hallelujah. 1 John 4, 16 through 19. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, because perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. There's the issue with believers right there. If I believe, really believe, and have confidence in the fact that God loves, M-E, if you believe that God loves, Y-O-U, and you really believe, there's no need to be afraid. That perfect love is what drives fear away. We've already been delivered from it, and the relics of it in our minds and in our consciences can be driven out so that when we face situations in life, we don't run from them. We meet them. In Jesus' name. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. All right. Now, I gave us as a subtitle today, the resurrection and the life. We read John 11, 25 through 26. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, that's who I am. So ain't no need to worry about somebody dying in the natural. He said, he said don't worry about yourself. Do what I told you to do and what I ask you to do, and you don't need to be afraid of death. All right? Now, Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. We're going to like this. This is pretty cool. Ephesians 2, 1 through 6. And you... Has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation or our manner of life in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Now notice, he said, when we were dead in sins, we were quickened. That word quickened means to be given life together. So here we come back to the Zoe again. When we were dead in sins, we were given life together with him. Now think about that. Somebody said, Jesus needed life at one time. Absolutely. If you were holy and righteous and just and you became who we were, you dropped all of who you were, yeah, and then you would have to get that back after the price was paid. And that's what happened to him. See, everything that happened to him served as an illustration of what God wanted to do with us. So he laid all that aside and he had to receive life from God again, just like you and I had to receive it the first time because he became who we were. But now because he was mankind's representative, when life was given to him, that life was put to the credit and the account of man and given to man. So when we come into Christ and we say we receive him, then guess what? We receive that life. And the Bible says we were quickened or we were given life together with him. So whatever life he was given is the same life that I now have. He received the life from the Father by the Holy Spirit. So that's what I have on the inside of me. Nothing different, nothing less. Same life. What got him up got me up. <laughs> Come on now. So now, in the resurrection of Christ, we were given life together with him. Zoe, we also, we were given heavenly, kingly, and royal status in him. Check it out. We have been made to sit together. Uh, sit together. Not later. He has raised us up and made us sit together. Somebody said, I'm sitting in this pew. Yeah, well, you might be physically, but you are seated in him. At the right hand of the majesty on high. And that's where we need to see our position. We're not some low-life thing here on the earth. We've been raised up together, made to sit together with him. We're divinity. We're kingly. Check out Romans 5, 17. I know we have to go over these things. Sometimes we have to go over them just slowly. Constantly, we have to go over them and over and over again. They, they have to take up residence in us, and then once they do, we can't let them get away from us. We got to keep feeding, keep eating, keep chewing, keep looking, keep smelling, sniffing. Okay. Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by the one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness, now what are they supposed to be doing? Shall reign in life. By the one Jesus Christ. So now you see why we got to pick this life apart? If we're to rule and reign in this realm, we got to find out what's there. Like last week, we looked at some of the character and qualities of the divine nature. 
Well, this is what we have to do. We've got to keep doing this and work at it. And they got so we find when once when, as we acquire that knowledge, then the Holy Spirit has something to work with in and with and through us. All right now. Because of this life is the reason we have to major on the resurrection. I don't think as Christian people we talk about the resurrection enough. A lot of churches only talk about it one time a year, and they call it Easter, which has nothing to do with the resurrection anyway, but anyway, that's another story. But we should talk more about the resurrection because that's where the power is. That's where the life came back into Christ, and that's where we receive our life, and that's where everything that has to do with power, it comes because of the resurrection. Remember what Paul said, that I may know him and what? And the power of his resurrection. He said, this is what I want to know. He said, I don't know what y'all after, but I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. So this resurrection, like we see here in Ephesians chapter 2, this is where this life is at. So we need to talk about it. Jesus was raised from the dead. If we look through the book of Acts and we look at all these different messages that were preached in the book of Acts, check out how many times they made reference to the resurrection of Christ is important. I tell you, evolution has been in the church, and we got we to gotta evolve back up to where we belong because we've evolved the other way. Yeah. We need to talk about this life. Jesus was raised from the dead by the power of God, raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Right? A resurrected man is in the presence of the Father right now. Yeah. Jesus Christ is a resurrected man. Somebody say, you call him a man? Yeah, he's the man, Christ Jesus. Let's look at a couple of scriptures here. Second Tim, First Timothy, rather, 2 Timothy 2.5. See, why wouldn't I do this, Pastor? Because when we see him, we see ourselves. First mm-hmm. Timothy 2.5. Matter of fact, we should just read from verse 1. Let's, let's hit that prayer part of it anyway, okay? Let's not skip by it. Because it's very necessary right now and will continue to be necessary one way or the other. I I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for the men that you like. Uh, Oh, oh. (laughs) My my bad. I, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for those government officials that you think are conservatives. Oh. I, I, I still didn't read right. What's, what's, the, what's the matter? Do I need some help or something? <laughs> I exhort, therefore, we never you know that translation, huh? Therefore, that first of all, supplication. First, okay, you're emphasizing first. That's good. First of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for everyone except Nancy Pelosi. You did the Trump translation. Okay, now, y'all know I'm messing around. Okay, but, but I'm doing this for a reason, okay? 
Because sometimes what happens with us as people, we think, man, I can't pray for that one. But remember, God says all. Somebody said, I have to pray for Joe Biden? Yes, you do. It doesn't matter what happens, you got to pray for him. Yes, you do. So I said, I don't like Mr. Trump. You got to pray for him. No matter. His wife thinks she all that. It don't matter what you think. <laughs> you pray for him. It's what God said. And it's the reason he tells us that. Not just because they need love and they need to be saved. That they do. But he tells us that because of us and what he promised us when we obey him in that. He says, for kings and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Huh. So that means if I follow God and I do what he asks me to do, this is what he promises me. So it doesn't matter who is in office. If I obey him, then I'll have this kind of life. He promises that. This is not my translation. I was messing around earlier. You could have called that mother my translation. But no, this is what God says. This is what he says. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Why? Because this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God... And one mediator between God and men, the present tense, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So there is a man, a resurrected man. It's the reason God did this stuff this way. So resurrected man at the Father's right hand. And we just read that we're seated with him. Men, women. You know something, folks? That's the place that man was created to have right from the get-go. Right there in the middle of the Godhead. We'll say, oh, well, oh, oh, look at where he's seated. And look at where we're seated. So how are you going to tell me anything different? Somebody said, but my head can't understand that. Forget your head for right now. Just receive what God says. See, many people want to be able to try and figure it out with their head before they believe it. Just receive it. And say, thank you, Lord. And take your place. Accept your place. And the more you accept it and the more you eat and feed on, the more the reality of that comes to you. And that reality will start coming out as we walk around on the face of this globe. Which is where it needs to be manifested and demonstrated so that men can see God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Another scripture. Hebrews 10 verse 12. This is a great year. Hebrews 10, 12 says, but this man, referring to Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, sat down 
one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. <laughs> Good Lord. He said, guys, I'm an ascended, and I'm sitting. I'm making intercession for y'all, but I'm chilling. I ain't coming back down there to do nothing right now. <laughs> See, you know, would y'all take care of my light action, please? Would y'all put these devils under your feet? Would you take rule over governments? Will you take dominion over the place that you work, where you recreate? Would you take dominion when you go inside of these stores and shop? Would you take dominion over the highways as you drive them? Would you manifest me wherever you go? I'm sitting here, I'm praying for y'all. But I'm expecting my enemies to be made my footstool. And yes, the power of the Father is going to do that, but it's going to do it through the body of Christ. And the body of Christ can't get it done if we run around in fear. Come on now, because fear and love and faith don't mix. It's like all in water. One going to sink, the other coming to the top. You just shake them as hard as you want, but they're going to separate. So he's the man, Christ Jesus. Now, we're seated with him. We're to reign as kings in life with him. Now, the Holy Spirit, my mind, the glory of God is the agent of this life. Remember, guys, I told you earlier, as when we were getting started, take some time every day, not every day, take some time every week, at least a day of the week, and go over some of the things that we go over on Sunday morning. Because what it's going to do is going to keep us in step together and stuff will click. And we won't have to go over some things. They'll just, we can just ride right on into some other things. But see, the Holy Spirit of God, he's the agent of this life. And one of the reasons that God gave him to us is so that he could take these things of Jesus and reveal them to us, which is this life. So now, we're to rule and reign as kings in life. And the Holy Spirit, the glory of God, He's the agent of this life, and he's the one that raised Jesus from the dead and gave him that life. All right, a couple of scriptures here. Romans 6, verse 4. Seeing how the pieces of the puzzle connect. Romans 6, verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, and by what agent? The glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So if we take this scripture, it tells us what it tells us right here, that Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Right? Okay. Slide over to Romans chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him 
that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or give life to your mortal bodies by his spirit who dwells in you. So the glory of God is the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. So this life and the Holy Spirit, they like that. So he's the agent of this life. So as we talk about this life, we're going to be talking about the Holy, Holy Spirit and the glory of God. You can't separate these things. And one of the reasons why we have to look into and delve into the glory of God, because that is what his life is all about. To say, oh boy, <laughs> that we shouldn't touch his glory, or to say that God doesn't share his glory. Like, there's a scripture over in Isaiah, and that people quote it, and where God said, you know, I'm not going to give my glory to anybody else. I'm not going to share my glory with anybody else. I'm going to read that. The only problem with that is he's not talking about man. He's talking about idols. He's talking about idols. So he's not going to share his glory with idols. But he never said he wouldn't share it with man. All right, there's a scripture here in Romans 8. Uh, tangent. <laughs> Romans 8 from verse 29. Listen to this. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, one day he's going to glorify. Oh, it didn't say that, did it? Let's back up. Them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. Are you justified? Have you been made the righteousness of God in Christ? So he's talking about you and me. He's talking about, in all of this, he's talking about us. And he said, whom he's justified, them he also glorified. Now, we know that your natural body it has not been changed. So it can't be talking about anything but the real you on the inside. You have been glorified in Christ in that spirit. man. How could you not be if we are joined together with the Holy Spirit? If we are one spirit with the Lord, how can we not have what he has? Come on now. And so we, we carry this glory in this life in these earthen vessels. We're shaking up our consciences to realize who's on the inside of us. So he came to share his glory and his life with us. We are walking around. You think that tabernacle of Moses was something real big? We're now the temple of God. And his glory resides in us, and it is there. Everything that God is is already on the inside of us. See? It should come out of our mouths. 
All of God is in me. Everything that makes him who he is is inside of me. I'm who he is. In Jesus name. Now, when Jesus was raised from the dead, there's some things that he did. Y'all are cool in here. So, I mean, but there are things that the Lord gives us to say and share and minister that we have to share with everybody. What goes on in here is not just for covenant love. When Jesus was raised from the dead, and this is all going to connect, he did some things. So let's go to Ephesians 4. You're still with me? Yes. Okay. I'm going to kind of do y'all like the Holy Spirit does me. You'll take some of these things in these scriptures and say, okay, now I want you to see where I'm going and connect these different things. Just look and listen for certain words and you'll see how everything connects. <laughs> All right, so from verse 7, he said, but to every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he said, when he ascended up on high, he led the captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. Now, let's look at what he did when he ascended. When he ascended, he did something. It says, and he gave some apostles. Some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. For the perfecting or the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, when he ascended, one of, if not the first thing that he did, one of the, well, I can't say the first thing. One of the first things that he did in reference to man on earth here is that he set up leadership in the church, in his body. What are you saying here? When he said it, he gave gifts to men. And what he did, he said, I'm, I'm giving you apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, which is the edifying of the body of Christ. So he said, I set up leadership in the church, not for leaders to be lords, like Peter said, not to be lords over God's heritage, but to help the members to, number one, to be equipped and to mature. So now, the, the reason that this is important, I don't know. Well, I should say this. I don't know for a fact through my own eyes, but I know by the general way things that work. And especially here in Texas, we've been here since 1981. And boy, there have been a lot of travelers through different churches and all over the place. And some people don't even go anymore. Call themselves Christian. But God set up leadership in the church for certain purposes to equip the saints and to help them to grow up into Christ in all things. Now, this is important. The church, we could call the church, the house of, of God, a perfection house or a place where maturity is supposed to take place. To grow up into Christ in all things is the master's plan 
for his saints. There's no believer that can come to this place of maturity without being involved in the local church. There are people I've heard this argument, oh, I don't know how long or in my Christian life and definitely how long since I've been pastoring. But there are people that think they don't have to go to church. They don't have to be involved in the church. I can study on my own. Now we got the Internet church. And I'm going to tell you what, that Internet church is only for those that can't get here. It's not to be made a habit of and a lifestyle. I don't care what governor in any state says. Because God didn't say it. What he said is not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. They were doing it back then. Did you know that? Ain't nothing new. Nothing's new. And there were people back then that said, I don't need the apostles. I don't need anybody to teach me anything. You see, you can't, and this, this Ephesians chapter 4 is so, so interesting. There's no believer that can achieve what God wants them to be without being in the local church. Somebody said, well, I got just as much from God as you do. Yeah, but what, do you know how to use it? Do you know how to put it together? That's why God gave us gifts. Everybody is free. Everybody has something from God. But if we don't have any kind of leadership to help us to find out where we need to go, we're going to be lost. And God is the one that set it up. I didn't set it up. No pastor, no apostle set it up. God set it up like that. And so we have to honor what he said. So a believer can't do that. It can't do it without leadership either, because you can't do it without the ministry gifts. The ministry gifts are anointed for this purpose. Some ministry gifts don't even know they're anointed for this purpose. They think they're anointed to jump and shout, raise money, build buildings, and so on and so forth. Which none of those things are wrong in themselves, but they're not the priority. See, the priority is the people. That's again, the priority is the people. And taking what the Holy Spirit and the Word give and invest that in people so that they can see on their, in their own insides. Not have somebody stand up and beat them over the head and, 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 and take their money and, and make them do stuff and rah, 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 whatever. A believer cannot achieve this by being disconnected from the rest of the body. Now notice, just take a look at your body. Look at your body. Look at your body. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you see your foot hanging off the ceiling over there? Anybody see their foot hanging off the ceiling? <laughs> okay. Do you see your pinky over there on that ceiling? Do you see just your hand unscrewing that light bulb that needs to be replaced and you're sitting there? And your hand is up there by itself. Huh. If you're, this was disconnected, this is going to eventually die. Why? Because there ain't no life flowing in it. 
And this part here is going to start to rot. Because it's open. And receiving stuff it shouldn't be receiving. And see, we are the body of Christ and members in particular. There's no way that we grow without rubbing up against each other. And even though sometimes it causes friction, that friction is part of the growth process. Because that friction brings challenges. That's right. And then you might think, boy, I got me a good love walk going. But then you come up against somebody that, oh, Lord, I ain't never seen nothing like that before. Ain't nobody ever talked to me like that before. Ain't nobody ever smelled like that before. And like, oh, man, I thought I was grown up. And then you start, mm. somebody start rubbing you the wrong way. And then now you got to dig down on the inside of you and pull up some love and some maturity and some Zoe life in order to face it. Because you want to please God and you want to help that really, really deep down inside. You want to help that person, even though you think, dear God, why you bring them around? But you really you really deep down inside. You want to help. Yeah. Yep. So you it, come on. You know what I'm saying? And see, the people that want to run from that and say, why don't you go to another church? Get out of here. No, no, no. Or the other or say, I'm going to go to another church. I'm going to get out of here. And they're going to go over across town and they're going to sit down in another church and they're going to sit there and somebody next to them is going to start rubbing them the same way that that other person was in that other place. And you know what we realize? You ain't going to get away from it. Because it's going to grow. You got to deal with it. <laughs> So we can't do it disconnected from each other. You know what's going to happen? If we don't connect, you know what you're going to do? Somebody's going to sit over there and they're going to, all they're going to do is eat ice cream and candy spiritually. Because they're just going to eat what they want to eat and drink what they want to drink and never deal with the challenges that God will bring across their lives to help them to grow up. So this house, every house of God is a perfection house, supposed to be. Perfection just means maturity. Now, so verses 14 through 16. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things. Wow, all things. You ever think of some things you don't really want to grow up into Christ in because it's uncomfortable? Anybody been there? Somebody said, I'm there now. Yeah, right. It's, it may, and sometimes there's stuff you just don't want to deal with. But you know if you're going to grow, you got to deal with it. To grow up into Christ in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by the which every joint supplies, according to the effect of the working of the measure in every part. So that means everybody, even though they may look like they ain't got nothing to offer, they may look like they're just a problem. They got something on the inside of them. They just ain't figured out how to get it up out of them yet. And that's why you're in their life. There's something inside of you. You hadn't figured out how to get out outside of you. That's why somebody else is in your life. That's right. That's why we're in each other's lives. And if we don't like it, guess who we got to talk to? Not pastor. Mm -mm. We're going to talk to the, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. 
all right, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Now, I thought it's so interesting that after God and Paul went through all this, he hit verse 17. And this is what I want to get to here. He says, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Verse 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So he went through all of that. And I said, now I'm going to tell you why I, that I ungodly ain't got this. And I'm also going to tell you in the same breath why I got leadership here doing this, because we need to be conscious and aware of the life of God that's on the inside of us. And so this whole thing about maturity is tied together. The life of God is a very, very, very important element. And this fivefold ministry and these gifts are supposed to be helping us understand that. So don't be like the Gentiles. Gentiles, they're alienated from this life. So we don't need to act like we're alienated from it. We need to realize that we're connected to it and learn about what's in this life and this glory so we can live it and not live like those who are alienated from it because they're separated from it. So this stuff is important. It's vitally important. Let's look at Acts chapter 5. Coming around the band here. Acts 5 from verse 17. Then the high priest arose, rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people, all the words of this life. Interesting, that command that came from God through the angel. Go stand in the place that y'all meet and speak to the people all the words of this life. I'm going to share something with you again that I think you should pay attention to. When we look at the four, what we call the four gospels, we look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do you notice that John talks about this life so much more than all of those other three guys? Did you, have you ever noticed that in reading through? If you haven't, pay attention to it now because you're going to find out. There's a reason for that. And what God did is he took John and had him emphasize that life so that we can see and understand that all the things that Jesus did in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he did as a result of that life that he came that he was talking about. Look at John 20 with me. John 20. John 20, verses 30 and 31. We're still building our case. <laughs> and many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life 
Zoe through his name. So everything that Jesus did while he was walking around on the earth was a result of this life coming out of him. Everything. Now, let's finish here. The Holy Spirit is here in, on, and with us to guide and empower us in the affairs of this life and his glory. The, reason, the Holy Spirit is here in, with, and on us to guide us in these affairs. Let's look at three scriptures here. Romans 8, verse 2. Again, I just want to remind you that as these scriptures keep coming out, we're going to go over scriptures that we've read for years, but they're just going to come alive, and we're going to see how they connect. Romans 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the law of the spirit of life or the principle of life. The spirit of life. And where's the spirit of life? Christ Jesus. All right, John 16, verses 13 through 15. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, the Holy Spirit, what's he going to do? Well, he will guide you into all truth. For he'll not speak of himself, but whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall do what? Glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it to you. All things that the Father has of mine Therefore said I that he shall take up mine and show it to you. And then lastly, 2 Corinthians 3, from verse 5. And I'm just going to read through this with you and just let the Holy Spirit suggest certain things to you as we read through these words. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives Zoe, or the life of God. But if the administration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the administration of the Spirit be rather glorious, or more glorious? For if the administration of condemnation be glory, much more does the administration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excels. 
For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remains is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look into the face of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remains the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, the Lord is the spirit. And when the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all say we all, please look around you, please. And just say we all we all all. bring it to Texas. Say y'all. Okay, (laughs) we all with open face. This scripture is so important. We all with open or unveiled face. Beholding as in a mirror. The glory of the Lord. I'm looking at you. Look at me. You know what you see? A different facet of God's life. Unveil face. (laughs) Just look around. Look at your bros and sisters. We all with unveiled face. Beholding as in a mirror or in a glass. What are we beholding? We're not beholding. I don't like you. That's not what we're beholding. (laughs) We're not beholding the scum of the earth. That's not what we're beholding. We're not beholding some useless nobody. That's not who we're beholding. I know, so just look around, just look around, just look around. Look at the people around us. Let's look at, look at, look at us. There is something that is so unique on the inside of each of us that has been given to us to help us go and finish out that scripture that we go from one degree of glory to the next by the spirit of the Lord. He's the agent, but we're in the game. And our faces are not veiled like Moses's with that stuff that was passing away. Instead of ours passing away, it's increasing. But we're helpers to one another with that transformation. Is concerned. That's why it's so important, guys, for each of us to take this seriously, to look at this life, look at the glory of God, of God in the Bible, look at the spirit of God 
and look at all the character qualities of that divine nature and just work with that for ourselves personally until certain things start to rise up on the inside of us. And as these God things rise up on the inside of us and have place in our consciences, we're going to start relating to one another based on what's on the inside of us. And it might take some breaking down in some of our lives to be open to receive what other people have to offer. But, you know, that's okay. It'll take some time with some people. But we got to let it happen. We got to let it happen. There's some people going to run from it. And it's going to hurt. But you got to keep going. There's a lot of people that run from it in here. You got to keep going. You think that messes with you? You don't know what it messes with, how it does me. It's crazy. And especially when you know people do stuff that they ought not do. Then they jump and run when they ought not jump and run. They do stupid things. Because they listen to the voice of the enemy that drives them away from the presence that they need. And not only that, but drives them away from being able to contribute what their presence has to offer. And when you know that they're doing stuff that they shouldn't do and jumping ship when they shouldn't jump ship, it's crazy, but you can't do anything about it but pray for them. But see, folks, all of us and every believer, whether they know it or not, has got this glory on their face. See, this is why I'm telling you guys, you think you, everything is going to just become so clear. You think this mask issue is just about health. So a whole lot more to it. You cover up your face, that takes away your identity. It's demonic. It's not a matter of safety. It's not a matter of health, except going in the other direction. This whole thing in this universe is about identification. The whole thing. That's why everybody on this soil ought to rebel against that thing and snatch it off their ears and let everybody see you smile and let everybody hear you speak clearly and hug somebody and encourage somebody because the devil's trying to shut mankind down. And I don't care what comes or goes. With this preacher here and this man of God, I ain't letting it happen. They'll see my smile. They'll hear my voice. They'll feel my embrace. And you're going to see what's on my face from God. Father, we love you today. We thank you for what you've invested in us. Thank you for investing yourself in us. And every day, every day, every day, we say it right now, we're going to become more conscious and more aware of your presence, your glory on the inside of us. Just like we sang this morning in holy ground. 
Oh, how we love you and thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And whatever needs there are in our lives, you're teaching us, even right now as we're before you, that everything is already taken care of because you live on the inside of us. You'll teach us how to tap into that. And not only that, but because of the part that you've given us to play in one another's lives, you'll show us what's to come out of us into the lives of other people. That they may partake of your glory through us. Lord, we thank you for that. And I'm praying with my brothers and sisters right now, I believe with them that as we go out into this world from today, the rest of this week, till we come back together again, whenever that is, that the people that we come into contact with, that they're going to know that they're in the presence of the glory and life of God because of what emanates from our being from our words, from our faces, our countenances, from our hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. 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 And with such glory in and upon us, what can hurt us? What can make us fearful? The Egyptians couldn't even get close. So no evil shall befall us. Neither shall any plague come near our dwelling. Whosoever shall gather together against us shall fall for our sake. We'll not be afraid. Terror will not even come near us. It's because of your glory and your life. And we'll be free. To do everything you put in us to do is for the sake of the kingdom of God. And the evil will bow before the good and the wicked at the gates of the righteous, as your word says. We declare it today. We speak life right now. We speak life into the air. We speak life to one another right now. We speak life, life, life from God. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We want to thank you for listening to today's message. For additional messages and as a way for Pastor Nick to bless you with vital information, downloads, and gifts, please visit our website at myclcc.com. We invite you to join us again next week for The Word with Pastor Nick.